Hello, and welcome to the KCSU Music Podcast, brought to you by KCSU-FM. My name is Lindsay, and today I'm bringing to you my interview with Denver-based duo All Right, All Right, made up of partners Seth and China Kent. They recently released their newest folk rock Americana album, Crucible. They told me all about their creative process, the stories behind the songs, how family life mixes with their careers, and what it's like to release such a personal album during the chaos of the pandemic. Thank you to All Right, All Right for letting me use their beautiful songs in today's podcast. And to learn more about them and what they're creating, follow them at All Right, All Right on Instagram and Facebook or All Right X2 Music on YouTube. They're also on Spotify and Apple Music. Thanks for tuning in to the KCSU Music Podcast. Back in junior high, muscle cars would pass us by. Wish I could have owned one then. You know, I would be turning head, take it up to the overlook, steam the windows till the cops show up. Instead of feeling halfway dead, I'd be the king with a foot of lead. buy your Trans Am. It's a four by four with welded doors and it's parked above the Georgetown Dam. I mean, I think we sort of backdoor found a theme to this album. Um, we, we started just knowing we had, we'd written a bunch of songs and knew we had started a, a bunch more. And so we just kind of uh, started in from trying to find a cohesive group of songs. Um, but then as we thought about it, you know, as we were getting close to the end of the making of the album, I think as we were thinking about what had ended up there, we realized that we had been um, contemplating a lot of stuff that affected how the album came. And certainly as far as like tonally, we were looking we were looking at a lot of different music to sort of inspire the tone, but definitely, you know, we, we were at times evoking sort of uh, Fleetwood Mac or like trying to be free was, there's a sort of a Dylan-esque feel to it, mm-hmm. which gives it that, like thinking of like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and sort of movies like that, where you've got sort of that older feel, but also like a, a folk rock feel to it, so. We didn't go into it saying we're going to write an album about the end of the world or, you know, like, or like we're, we're going to write an album with these five sort of themes in mind. We just set aside specific time um, that, that we, we were working on it as a cohesive unit. So um, every other project project that we've done up until now, we've kind of just like, done it in the corners of life we've we've been like oh we have some money and some time let's do these two songs with this one this this one producer and and then like a couple months later we'd be like oh we have some money and time let's do this one song with this group of people you know and this is the first time that we have made an album intentionally and very um sort of in a disciplined way with the same, just the three of us, like Seth and me and, and Ben, 
Wysocki, who was our producer. And we, we did a very robust um, pre-production. Uh, we, we worked together every week for months, um, honing songs, writing songs. Even though we didn't at the time know what it was all gonna sort of like end up being, you know, cause you're, it's, it's like, it's like working on a Syrah painting or like, you know, you're up so close and you're doing pointillism and you're like putting this little thing in there and that little thing in there. And then, and then all of a sudden you like step back and you see the whole, and then you're like, oh my God, this is what we made, you know? So I think that's kind of how we, we approached this. And that's how this work came to be. Four days ago, we were laughing and punching the air with our fists just for fun. When the news broke, our issues untied. Somehow, I knew you were gone. Women of heartache. I mean, we we tried to long ago, early in our life, we sort of were trying to figure out how to do music. We met at a gig. So, you know, we've been we've been together and around music the whole time. Since the very inception of our relationship. So yeah, we met in 2002 at a gig in Evergreen and and the rest is history. And for us, like it never worked to try to try to do sort of the traditional family and then someone's doing music. And so we we just have not anytime we tried to separate it it didn't work and it actually didn't work painfully and so we came to a conclusion Mm -hmm. uh i want to say eight years ago seven or eight years no it was it was in 2015 i think it was only five years ago we like had this mantra that we that occurred to us that if it doesn't work with the family it doesn't work for us so the the band has to work with the family or it's just not gonna we won't, none of us will be happy if yeah. it's not working yeah. all together. If it doesn't so. work for the family, it doesn't work. I kind of feel like maybe, maybe that's, you know, that can be applied to other situations, but specifically for this musical endeavor, that is the, uh, the slogan that we um, adopted and it, uh, we have, we have made it uh, sort of front and center ever since we thought of it. And it's, it's been working okay. We want to incorporate the kids without it being um, mandatory at any point. Like, um, like there is no, you know, I would love for the kids to play with us um, on stage and that may happen sometime in the future. Uh, but I also am very sensitive about like putting pressure on them too early. And so anything that they've done with us has been totally voluntary. Our son Fender loves to, he, he likes to make movies and actually our daughters started to get into that. So he helped us with one of our, well, several of our music videos actually that um, are rolling out here in the next uh, several weeks and months. Um, so his, his contribution thus far has been visual, you know, like being the second camera or, you know, being like the, the, the gaffer or whatever, you know, um, and our daughter is still, she's, she's less interested in, in doing anything like that, which is totally fine. Um, but she's a little songwriter in her own right. And so I, I would love to eventually one day, like perform a song that she's written or write a song with her. So. 
I still lose my breath knowing what you've done. The broken bone and a baby and our three-year-old son. There was a grief in me like a poison unseen. The song, Some Dreams, in particular, is autobiographical, really. I mean, we changed the order of events vaguely in the song just for poetic license. But I mean, it's, it's the story of me having a job in music and China being the one who stayed home and took care of the kids and it going really, really wrong and really badly. And that whole situation ended really painfully for us. And ended up with a lot of turmoil. Um, I mean, I, we, I could talk for a long time about it. I, I, it was like, a, you know, you have the anchor parent at home and many musician families operate like this. Uh, you have the anchor parent at home who takes care of the kids. And then the, the one parent who does the music or whatever is always gone. And so Seth missed our daughters, basically like an entire year of her life. Well, her first year of life while I stayed home and but we were really convinced that this was like this was Seth's like boyhood dream to to be able to be on a giant tour with a big you know you know major label band to to be uh involved in music in that way and and i was like i'm staying home i'm gonna i'm gonna hold the ladder for you babe you climb you know and and both of us were sort of gritting our teeth and yeah like, just sort of like well, we we have this vision. We have this goal. We're just gonna. This push is our through. dream. This we're is, gonna. We're gonna get. There. We're gonna sacrifice for the dream, and then the dream we you know got kicked out from under us. It just shattered, and and so we ended up like having to take a a real soul searching time, and we literally drove uh, on a six week road trip, and uh, and just talked and thought and considered, and the end result of that was that. You know, like if if I'm sacrificing my time with the family and vice versa, but in, in that instance, it was if we're sacrificing our time with the family and our time together and our joy, then the dream is probably not a good dream. And and we've even though what we've come to now, the life that we have now is not drastically different. We're still in music. We're doing music together. It is very different as far as how we interact with it and with the dream and with our family. And so I think we, we wouldn't have come to this without that. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have come to where we are without a really clear picture of that old way that we were in. Mm -hmm. Not and it, working. Not working, yeah. Muscatine, Muscatine, why you gotta be so mean? Pearl of the riverside In the flood where my brother died I lift Irene, my weeping bride And headed where... So when Seth got fired from that music job, um, 
we decided to leave Denver um, and we were going to sell our house. We like actually put it on the market and we went on a 10 week road trip, a big, huge loop. Like we healed as a family. We, we, um, it was, it was the first time I'd spent with Seth, like in such a concentrated uh, amount of time as like being a family of four, like since we had our second kids. So, so we did this amazing road trip and, um, and that kind of uh, turned us into, it, it, it endeared us to the road, I would say. Into, into geography as inspiration. I mean, yeah. and I can think of like places, like you were saying, like Missouri calling, like we have, we have really good friends in Missouri and we like to visit them and mm -hmm. like there's sort of a part of us that feels at home in the mm -hmm. midwest and mm -hmm. in missouri and um and i that's not a mistake you know china has family in ohio i have family in iowa which is where muscatine is mm -hmm. um in muscatine my family's in muscatine and um so and even like that song muscatine you know i have family in muscatine and then we'd spent some time in the Black Hills and in in the Badlands and um, and so I was thinking of that you know every place I've been to every place in that song and and I know something about every place in that song and so we definitely are I think we enjoy taking place mm -hmm. and and using that as a jumping off point for inspiration <laughs> um, to talk about the human condition mm -hmm. and um and the the pain and joy and and the tied togetherness of that is also sometimes a place you know yeah i will say uh missouri calling um however is the imagined story of a woman who comes to denver from missouri um in order to escape her bad home sort of situation in missouri and she comes to denver for the weed and and for the for all the things that you know people come to denver for but she ends up on the streets um and that that is kind of an amalgamation of 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 um different stories that i've heard over the years um of homeless or, or, or women who are unhoused in denver um it's an interest. I mean, there's no one reason for homelessness, but I just, when I was writing that song, I, um, I just remembered all these little snippets of stories that I've heard over the years working in a homeless shelter and, and I wove them together and Missouri just seemed like the right place to make her like come from. I couldn't wait to get out. supposed to be sunny and I never thought end up so lonely no I never thought I'd be so sorry the album is so autobiographical and also um so imbued with like storyline um, so I, it's almost like every other song is a story song about some other character that we've created that is going through something that relates to also our own stories in life, you know? Um, but then 
the other songs, you know, the every other song um, is also very biographical, I would yeah. say. And I think like, it's funny, I think the imagined stories, at least for us in the way that we tell a story, it in a way, like when we imagine a storyline, I think we are tricking ourselves to talk about something really personal. So like, um, I think it's, I, I would say pretty much every song on this album feels really personal, even though, you know, half of them are storylines yeah. that we have imagined for whatever reason. And maybe mm -hmm. it's, I, you know, it's quite plausible that it's also just the 2020 effect where these things that we wrote sort of as a hmm. mind exercise have turned out to be exercises we are going through globally in a lot of cases and mm. so I think like that could have an effect on it but I do think that for China and I both if we're imagining a storyline it's to it's to trick ourselves into applying a personal experience yeah in a new way yeah so we <laughs> we have this bay of lockers in our studio um that we got a while ago from like, I don't remember, some warehouse in Norvada or up north. And um, the lockers came from some factory somewhere. We don't know what factory or, or maybe it was just a bowling ball. No, no, they're definitely like factory lockers. And it's a bay of three lockers in a row. And the there are names on them. The, the names are Ron, Ted, and Dan, right? And we've, we kept the name tags on those lockers over the years because, um, well, we think it's funny, you know, but, but also we eventually were like, wait, we need to write a story for each of these characters. Like who was Ron, who was Ted and who was Dan and where did they work? And like, why did they need lockers? And what was their relationship with each other? You know, it just, it, it was, it was kind of like this, uh, inspirational piece of furniture, literally in our house. And so when we were writing Over the Edge, um, at first, which is the first track on the album, and it is a story song, and there are characters in it, and it is, um, you know, it hits on a universal theme of, like, getting the heck out of a bad situation, you know, and taking matters into your own hands and deciding to not be a victim. But um, when I wrote it at first, it was only about Sheila. Um, but then as we were working it in the studio and as we were in pre-production with Ben, someone at some point was like, I feel like we need another character. There needs to be like someone else in this story. And so we looked at the lockers and I was like, guys, let's, let's, let's make this one about Ron. Ronnie Jones worked the checkout at the grocery store. Yesterday he took his paycheck and walked out the door. He said, honey, I don't know where I'm going. Oh, and I don't know where I've been. Funny, it don't matter no more, cause child, we're getting into the van. Your mama left this morning and she's not coming back. I think we value being able to be vulnerable when the time's right. Um, mm -hmm. In some ways, it's like, we were going to release this either way. We were, we, you know, like we were saying earlier, we set aside time intentionally. We, we made this album on purpose. And so we weren't going to go to all the time and effort and 
cost and then not release it. So the reality that it's become, at least for us, more uh, more meaningful in in a time of pandemic and political upheaval and. Uh, if anything, that just made it more necessary for us to release it. You know, I'm not a doctor. I, I can't, I can't go and put on a bunch of PPE and, and help people, you know, I, I'm not, um, you know, I don't teach in a school. I don't, you know, I am not one of the frontline workers, um, but I can make music that is an elixir for the soul. I, you know, I do know that I do have that superpower, you know, and in some ways it, it feels more valued now to be able to offer an emotional salve than maybe before. Um, so I feel in some ways a little bit more necessary than I, I may have felt, um, a couple of years ago, or even last year, um, at this time, I think I've always wanted to be like really necessary in the world. And sometimes it feels like, oh, you play pretty music, haha, ha. you know, like your little passion project. What is that? You know, so this feels really good to be able to to offer to the public something that may um, be, you know, like I said, like a salve. However, I will say admitting to the world that we were on food stamps and WIC is always hard for me. Um, there's always shame in that. And, and gosh, I just, I wish I had taken more notes back in the, you know, several years ago when we were on government assistance, because I mean, I have firsthand experience with that. And, and you just hear so many ugly things said by, um, by people about those of us who have been, you know, recipients of government assistance. And, and I just, that's really hard to talk about. <laughs> I think it's, it's a, there's a stigma to it that, though, that like, if we're going to be able to talk about it, we have to, we have yeah. to allow that. And I think that's like China yeah. was saying, part of our superpower, if you will, is basically just sort of speaking to the condition and speaking to where we all are and sort of opening, peeling back that layer and saying, hey, this is actually here. Mm -hmm. And there are issues that we'll talk about and we'll say, you know, a lot of people don't talk about this issue. So like the food stamps thing as an example. And we said something about it. I feel like it was on Facebook. And the number of people who you never would have thought of who came out and said, oh, we were on food stamps for a while. Or, oh, we had yeah. WIC. Oh, yeah. oh, we had to do, you know, oh, my church helped me get through. You yeah. know, and the number of people who came out and said, of course, people need help sometimes. Yeah like it's so striking and it's something that people don't they're we're afraid to talk about it yeah there's just so much shame around um needing help right um and i just feel like uh i haven't quite gotten over that little hurdle but i'm fine with it like i i i, I really want to to you know whatever i you know talk about it um and I guess the other thing I would say is that the last song in the album is, is called Champagne and there's a whole bunch of story in there. And it's, it is probably by far my most autobiographical song that I've written. And I still have to kind of keep myself from um, breaking out in, in like uh, sobs afterwards, just because it, it is a, it's a very personal song. And, um, 
and I really want to channel like myself into it and not disassociate myself from the emotion of it. So to perform that song is still um, raw for me. And in some ways, I hope it never stops being raw, you know? Mama, you've been standing tall. You take and you take and you take it all. You got all your children in your nest. We also um, recorded six, is it six? Yeah, six live videos. We um, professionally uh, shot and recorded um, six songs in six different places around Colorado. Although one of them was in Missouri. We did Missouri Calling in Missouri. <laughs> we uh, recorded Over the Edge up at Squaw Pass in Evergreen. Um, and so you can see that on our YouTube page, um, our YouTube channel, I should say. We recorded Mercy, which is our song about, my song about um, a school shooting. Basically, like I wrote, I channeled a parent's experience of having their, their child go through a school shooting. And um, I, we went to the Columbine Memorial and we um, shot a live video of us performing that song there. We we actually abided by all of the Columbine Memorial rules. We did not amplify the music. We did it um, early in the morning at like 5.30, 6 in the morning. We got the sunrise. It's it's a beautiful video. Um, really, we tried, to, we tried to make each live video of these songs on this album um, really connect with the song and, and put it in the place where, you know, where we... Um, wrote about so like trans am we shot it at the georgetown dam and <laughs> yeah yeah i think so all of that to say that yeah place is important and so like even yeah. things like that math it's not really a one-off we like we think about this stuff and we want to like communicate yeah. we want everything to be communicating the importance of a place which mm -hmm. for this album this home of ours yeah. this denver colorado home, is our yeah. place you know you know, a while ago, I went um, on a retreat with um, some other women, and, and it was this really wonderful um, sort of like uh, life coach sort of retreat. And as I was doing, you know, my, I think I did a vision board or whatever, and I, I thought of this weird word, and it, it's a made up word, but I, I think, I think it sums it up for me. I think of what we do as hosting. I think of what we do. I mean, we can't have people in our house. We can't have all these strangers like come into our house and I can't feed them a meal, but I can, I can give them a stage meal, 
that's the word. I can give them like, I want them to feel fed, you know, like there's this like nurturing, like I am like the cons, I'm like a mom first, you know what I mean? Like I, I like brought blankets to the show that we played on Saturday because it was so cold and I was so worried for people to be, you know, too cold. And so I think, I think at the end of the day, I want people to feel like they've been nourished. Mm -hmm. And I think like actually one of the songs on the album is a song that we've been ending a lot of our shows with just because we feel like it's a message that no matter who you are, you probably need to hear it right now. And it's a song called Don't Worry. And, uh, you know, it, it just very simply sort of lays out, you know, things can be hard and you can be uh, afraid and anxious for unnameable reasons. Mm. Myriad unnameable reasons. <laughs> especially right now. And I think, you know, in the end, you know, take a breath, don't worry. Dream, you came to me. I heard your voice as clear as can be. Stood right there beside my bed, took my hand and you held my head, whispered in my ear, Don't worry, don't worry, dear. You got that existential fear, but love is why you're here. Arms fell upon me. Second floor, crying.